Thanks again for joining us for New Persuasive Words. For those of you who have children, we, are, we love children, and we're glad you have them and love them too, but you might not want to listen loudly to this podcast with them in the room because there is some adult language in the opening song. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream, about me, about you, about the way our American hearts beat way down in the bottom of our chests, about that special feeling we get in the cockles of our hearts, maybe below the cockles, maybe in the subcockle area, maybe in the liver, maybe in the kidneys, maybe even in the colon, we don't know. I'm just a regular Joe with a regular job I'm your average white suburbanite slob I like football and porno and books about war I got an average house with a nice hardwood floor My wife and my job, my kids and my car My feet on my table and a Cuban cigar Sometimes that just ain't enough to keep a man like me interested. Oh, no. No way. Uh-uh. No, I've got to go out and have fun at someone else's expense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane while people behind me are going Toilets and I piss on the seat. I walk around in the summertime saying, How about this heat? I'm on a Sometimes I park in handicapped spaces. Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And Bill, we are on Facebook Live. We are on Facebook Live on Saturday night. We've never I don't think we've ever uh, recorded at this hour or on Saturday night. So We have definitely recorded at this hour, but never on a Saturday. Elections, news, oh, that's right. we have Westworld. Been. That's right. We, that's right. We but this is just a Saturday night. Saturday where, night. And we want to uh, reassure all of you that we do have our sermons done. Shouldn't we reassure people that we have lives? <laughs> I like, that's the bigger thing. We do have a live. I, I, we both did life things today. You, you did life things. I did life things. I did pure cardio, Sean T, Insanity, beach body, old school workout, 38 oh, minutes wow. long. Very good. Went to McDonald's. <laughs> that somehow there's a... Tension. There is a tension in those two things. Yeah. And uh, watched a lot of television, my lovely wife. Yeah, I was in Florida for the rally. I just flew <laughs> here afterwards. A star is born. Uh, I, I, it's... Uh, just when you thought it couldn't get any weirder. But let's talk about rudeness. We're in, we are disciplining ourselves. Our all right, all right, to, very good. To talk beyond, although it's, it's not going to really get beyond. I would like to have, when I from now on, I want Wagner playing when I walk into the room. I just like, I would like that. I could try to edit this and just have Wagner play. Wagner play. Song of the Valkyries. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an interesting reflection. Anyway, well. Picture is sideways. Oh, is it? Sorry, Mark. Uh, I don't know how to get that. Let me try to do it. Actually, we are doing it sideways. There's a we, we uh, we've lost gravity here in the. What if I did this? Um, how do I even change it? Well, that would do. That that's not helpful. Are we upside down now, or is this? Are we better? Is that better? That is better. All right, except you'll see me. But all right, go ahead. So we uh, basically, I found this article via Mark Babico says. I think you need to start recording when phone is sideways. <laughs> I don't know what that means, Mark, but like I, I like the sentiment, I think. Yeah, but we're not going to drink any Merlot while we're doing it sideways. <laughs> no. No Merlot. We're not drinking the effing Merlot. <laughs> oh, that's straight. It all depends on which way the phone is when you start recording. Now, Mark actually does all the video for Mockingbird's conference. He's oh, actually so, a professional. So he knows. This is actually someone that you'll meet in New York, and this is actually someone that is a videographer. So in other words, he's saying, we should not be trying this at home, what we're doing right now. So Mark, what you're saying is that there's no danger that Bill and I are a threat to you in the Mockingbird <laughs> videography sphere. Uh, so this is um, hat tip to David Zoll. Uh, because uh, normally we record the Mockingcast on Fridays and in light of the weekender, but we did had to do it Wednesday this week. And David posted about this article about rudeness, the age of rudeness by Rachel Cusk, who I know nothing about. But uh, as David says, her jumping off point goes likely goes without saying, uh, and yet David felt refreshed by how much fresh ground the essay tilled namely we allowed honesty and authenticity but demonized rudeness uh. when the line between them is often a very thin and fluctuating one what is the moral status of rudeness Custy asks why might it have possibly cost Hillary the election parentheses basket of deplorables and won it for Trump when does decorum cease to facilitate discourse a vehicle of communication slash connection and begin to stifle it a vehicle of manipulation and resentment Cusk implies that manners are often employed, unwittingly or not, as instruments of power, a way for the educated to control language slash, ex slash expression. Yet they can be the means of reconciliation as well, her relationship with her parents notwithstanding. So there we go. Yeah, it's, she, she, tells a, she tells a number of, uh, of instances in airports, which is pretty interesting, because airports can be... Can be can be rough places when it comes to. Uh, I imagine manners. you functioning quite well in an airport. I do. Yeah, I I don't function well in airport. Once I get well, once I get through security, I re I'm relaxed. But packing is a nightmare experience. For me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was funny. I've I've spent a few. I've gone through Israeli security a few times. So if you can do that, you can. Those guys, uh, those guys are they don't mess around. Uh, uh, and, they, and you don't. It's, you should never joke either while you're dealing with Israel. Yeah, you don't crack jokes. Like you that. don't crack jokes when you're going through Ben Gurion. Yeah, but um, you know, it's, it is an interesting thing. I mean, I, you know, for instance, I, I, you hear it say like the lost art of customer service. Uh, you, you know, you really frequently, what's going on when someone doesn't like their job or they're having a bad day, and the more you try to engage with them the worse it gets. Is that, is that a power struggle? Is that part of what she's saying? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it, 
it's very interesting because she goes Christological in the middle of the article and she says, you know, basically, and I don't think she's a Christian. I mean, maybe she is. I mean, she doesn't claim uh, any. This is not a theological article. No, it's in the New York Times Magazine. Although Bart says people should go to the political sphere as anonymous Christians. And so maybe she is just going. Maybe she's an anonymous Christian. But, uh, you know, she says, you know, Jesus was rude kind of to the people that were the decorum police, Mm. namely the Pharisees, and was polite to those who crucified him. Oh, and and Satan is always the other way around. <laughs> you know, he kind of flat. You know, like he kind of flatters uh, the punctilious um, whitewashed tombs people that project identity, right, right? And tends to like demonize the person that is a little rawer because they're a threat to him, or, 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 or is what she alludes to. But you know, uh, he's rude to his family in Mark's gospel. Yeah. And he's also rude to the Syrophoenician woman. Although there's a lot of play in that story where the Syrophoenician woman comes and wants him to heal her daughter. And he goes, you know, it's not good that I, you know, that the children's. And you could also argue he's being rude to the Pharisees there too because they're onlookers. Right. They're well, people, so like, not in the Syrophoenician's passage, but in, you mean, with his family? Uh, well, she uses the, the Greek there is the diminutive. Right, for puppies. Da, you're right. So he switches. I mean, so or, or at least if they're not onlookers, he's got them in the back of his mind. You could argue, yeah. like, okay, yeah, I know the trope you're playing, right? right. But let me make you own that, right? And see if you really believe that about yourself. I mean, it's almost like he says, "I see the faith in you. Just get it out." Yeah, he's. I think there's a kind of there's a harshness with the paralytic. I guess it's in, in is which is it in Matthew or or John's gospel. Where the guy has been sitting there. Two of my favorite gospels. Pisadia. There's pool of Pisadia waiting to be healed. And, you know, and Jesus asked him, Do you want to be well? Jesus' book should have been The Art of the Heal. <laughs> the Art of the Heal. <laughs> so, but uh, it's an interesting that she brings that up. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of, a, it's funny that you even wanted to talk about us. Uh, uh, yesterday, my third son and I had lunch in the city, and we were in a a, a, a very famous sandwich shop in South Philly that will remain nameless. And um and I've I've never seen anything quite like it. There was there were people in line, you weren't sure who was in line or not. And the there was one person making sandwiches. I guess the owner of the manager was complaining about another worker with a person who was supposedly waiting on us. And we were kind of ignored. And then she picked up the phone and was talking to somebody and then she said, I'll be with you in a minute. Kept talking to that person. And my and my son is in the restaurant business. And uh, and so we're standing here, standing there. People are waiting. They're kind of not taking, you know, any time to do anything. And I'm not really paying attention. I'm just kind of, you know, just enjoying being with my son. They laid down a sandwich on the um, table or on the, on the counter. And my son grabs it and goes, "That's we're out of here. Were you at uh, Pat Steaks? No, I'm not going to say who it was. It wasn't there. But we were walking as we were walking out. I go, oh, our sandwich. And I goes, it's not. It's, I don't know if it's our sandwich or not. And he just was going off on how rude they were. And he said it was just unacceptable how 
bad customer service, a lack of professionalism. And as we're walking, goes he goes. And by the way, we can't go back there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't quite get what we had ordered, but we did have very rude, Bill. Very, yeah, it was very, rude. But I mean, it Bill, is Bill sandwich shops like that. So-called sandwich shops <laughs> are a disgrace. They're a disgrace. Do you believe in America? We've got sandwich shops, alleged sandwich shops that are a disgrace. Yeah, you know, so there was a sem- – I mean, the person – it didn't really matter that we were there. Uh, uh, and uh, the customer was not number one that day. But I think, you know, I probably – I don't know. I, I don't keep score, but um, you know that probably happens on a fairly regular basis, at least here in the Northeast, in terms of customer service. Yeah, it's very interesting on the, on the Fox Five, which I watch pretty regularly, like daily. Which I've never watched. And my wife calls it affectionately the libido killer. I mean, it's just. <laughs> but you know what, Greg Gutfeld, who is um, identified something. He was like he was talking about Trump. And rudeness. And it, it was a little too apologetic, but still, there was a truth in it. He was saying, if you're in the Northeast and cities like New York, you get mad. You do, not his words, but mine, but I mean, I get it. Like he says, you get mad. And basically, you do, my words are I, it versus I, thou to the cab driver or to the piece oh, right. of And then you realize you lost your shit. And then you, you kind of are nice as a tacit apology. And I feel like I had an experience like that like a week ago where I I was trying to get to New York to interview somebody and the Uber driver was late. Uh, I was going to uh, – I had to do an interview and, and going to my buddy's installation. And I – the guy was – it was his first Uber ride, which I didn't know. And I was like, dude, you're kind of like screwing my day here and like – and I, I felt like a dick. <laughs> and I started talking. And actually, he's friends with everybody at the Churchville Inn, which I read, you know, like all his friends are the staff right. people there. And he actually, he was a pretty good driver. He got me there on time. He was, And I started doing that that tacit, like, I was rude. And, and like, it was what Godfell talked about. Like, my apology was an attempt to move from I, it to I, thou. Right. So like, it was kind of like, and, and, and we became Facebook friends and his, uh, his, one of his buddies is, uh, Dylan O'Mara, who, if you're listening, Dylan, um, I'm glad that you're his friend. You guys are both good guys. But I think that all the time, I, I, I think the line between truth telling, deception, right. <laughs> rudeness and manners, decorum and, Deception are all weird lines. Well, and it can be a bit of a class thing as well. She mentioned that too. Sometimes rudeness is a way of one class getting back at another class, or I perceive. By the way, somebody just asked us if it was Geno's. It wasn't Geno's either. No, I'm no, not, no, I'm not no. going to name it because I like. I want to go. And by back the way, there. Helen Fitzpatrick has joined, who lives right here in Langhorn. Hi, Helen. Hi, Helen. Um, Another South Philly story, uh, and unfortunately this place is closed. But there, there's this amazing, there was this amazing butcher shop that had kind of uh, organic stuff and all kinds of interesting things from all over the world. And the guy was just always angry in there, the, the butcher. So I remember going in there one time and say, "Just don't, don't make eye contact." I was someone with me. I said, "Anyway," but uh, I was there. Uh, last fall 
And he was, and he said, "I'm retiring." And I, uh, um, I just started asking, "Well, tell me about that." And then he opened up. He told me about his family, uh, which wasn't a happy story. His health wasn't a happy story. And I actually, you know, so this guy over over the number of years, I've kind of he knows. I mean, he doesn't know my name, but we've known each other because I go in there, I don't know, maybe once every two months or so. And I said to him, I said, you know. I appreciated what you did here, and uh, you're going to be missed. And he didn't know what to do with that. And uh, and I also said, uh, you know, he said he had a surgery. And I looked at him, I go, you know, I'll say a prayer for you. And I and he looked at me like I was from Mars. But it wasn't like he... he well, Bill, in all honesty, sometimes I look at you. I thought I'm from Mars. But, but it, it was one it's exactly what you just said. There's a backstory to his rudeness, to his abruptness, and... Uh, by just kind of asking the question, um, which I, to be honest with you, I wasn't trying to do anything other than just kind of avoid him being <laughs> getting angry. He just let he opened up, and so maybe no one ever asked. Maybe no one ever asked him a question, and uh, there was a lot of unhappiness and some uncertainty about the future, uh, and and probably a lot of unhealth that had fed him uh, in the way that he was with people. And so, yeah, the, that somehow that I, it for became an I, thou, um, just by trying to move into the realm of being human, not just, I really want your uh, organic sausage. It was more than that. And he wanted my money. Yeah. I had a whole bunch of jokes about, the pickup lines in certain bars that could be, I just really want your organic sausage. I know, that was but a value. That was but, a very, but that's what it is. They have like bizarre or stuff, but I, yeah, I could have gone a different way with there that. There you go. There So uh, basically, I think the thing that fascinates me about the article that I think David kind of latched on to is that if you're the manners police or the rudeness police like so i think that so much of this election cycle was the people that had the kind of norm of manners versus the norm of rudeness mm -hmm. and i think what david says is right like the line can be messy and and i think on some level like ultimately at the, at the end of the catholic church pastoral constitution like the canon law is all law should be interpreted in the light of love right and so on some level uh i guess we should attempt in an incredibly divisive moment in the culture right i mean i don't know when it's felt well uh i mean i was just a, i was a child in 1968 but it, it's the, the tenor is is of, I mean, from his, you know, what I know of from history, it's it's a it's like that. I mean, this is getting. I was a child in two thousand six emotionally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, you know, I mean, that's... but I think I think the pitch is very similar to the Vietnam era, and the parallels to, of Trump and Nixon are 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 justified probably in many different ways. It feels that way, you know. You know, two of the most polite places. Uh, again, I've been to the South, so the South is polite. They'll smile. They'll be plotting your destruction. I love Mississippi, uh, but they'll they'll smile at you. Uh, but the two, I think, the two most polite places uh, in terms of particularly with with younger people that I've been around over the last you know five years or so is the prep school 
that my younger two sons were lacrosse players were at and all boys school at lead school here in, in suburban in suburban Philadelphia and there was a kind of you know they wore you know Chris it's always funny when guys at prep school they place they they push the dress limit as much it's hard to make a blazer and khakis and a tie look worse than they did but uh, nonetheless it was always polite it was always Mr. Bohr. Mr. Bohr was always very polite. And my years working in the inner city. And, you know, there's a kind of, and, and in the elite prep school, there was still kind of a sense of honor, a throwback to a different age. There was a code. Uh, there was, uh, the, you know, the head of the school was a former West Point instructor. So there was a kind of throwback to an old day of ordering. And even there still was kind of this sense of place. In the inner city, the guys I worked with, the people I worked with, were trying to bring structure to the chaos of these kids' lives. And it's it's interesting to me. That, that's like where, like, on one level, if you're a white privileged Christian, it sounds good to say down with your mobile, down with your mobile. Another level, if you're shepherding Christian kids in chaos, upwardly mobile is not bad. Like, you right, can't exactly. tell those kids to, like, yeah, I mean, like, Order is good at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. For years, when I worked with youth, it was, uh, and even when I was pastoring, I, I always wanted people to call me Bill, uh, but I was Mister Bill uh, down in, and down in, in the inner city, and I got what they were trying to do there. And uh, it's just an interesting. These are both. Pocket- Would you like it if I called you Mister Bill? Uh, no, but um, but thanks for asking. That Your was- sweater T-shirt combo. If you had better jeans, I would call you Mister Bill. Although they're pretty good. You have a little bleach stain on them, but. Thank you, I'm, and I'm I'm so happy that you that I, I, that you approve of my wardrobe. Tonight. I do, I do. I think you look good. Which assume that kind of implies that you generally don't approve of my wardrobe. I think you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> that was very polite of you. Exactly, be very polite. But I, I do think, given most of the time, though, when we record in weird ways, you're always either generally you're on the way to the gym, right? Because my gym's between exactly. between here and my and my house. But I do think. It's interesting you make the parallel. Manners and politeness is a way of bringing order. And whether it's order that goes that calls back to a former day of of genteel and 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 class and certain things or if it's trying to impose order on chaos, it is a tool that actually demonstrates that I recognize you're a human being that's worthy of respect and uh and it may actually be a bomb in this current um, time we live in, um, something worth thinking about. Read the article. Yeah, and I think also, like, on some level, the opposite of love is control. And so when when, when either, like, the rude moment, like, I, I, I think the author is on to something. He says Jesus is, like, rude to the Pharisees, but he's still, like, not trying to control them. Like, no. he, he's loving them with an open hand. And so, like, Jesus could be polite to the people crucifying him and perceived as rude to the people that are oppressing other people. And he's loving both with an open hand. Yeah, I mean, there were times when I, I've, you know, I was raised four sons. And there was times when I implied that if they didn't do something, uh, my big toe might end up in a per- certain part of their anatomy. And I didn't say that in a very nice way when I said it, but it was because I loved them. And I wanted to give them a sense of the urgency of whatever the situation was. And trust me, 
Legion was the name of the situations <laughs> that required that. But that was it. That was that was that was rude, sometimes even crude, but it was an act of love for my um, my compassionate barbarians who were my sons. And they're all good kids. They're good, they're good men. They're good men. Good yeah, men. We're all trying to be. And let me tell our listeners, and some of you, I will see you in Tyler, Texas. I actually um, came up with a partial solution to my travel anxiety. I'm going to pack like the clothes I want to wear tomorrow. That's the big part of travel anxiety for me. It's, it's the packing. Once I'm through security, I have a good time. It's the packing right. of the suitcase. So and, and I've come up with some coping mechanisms uh, to face the TSA. I'm just in general a bad planner. But also, uh, yeah, pray for our TSA agents because those people are – they're not its, they're thous. They are, they are. And this is not, it's, I tell you, anybody working in the government right now uh, not only needs our politeness, but we should be lighting candles for them and for Scott tomorrow as he travels. Pack, well, I'm, I'm not traveling till Thursday, but I'm still packing my bag like tomorrow and Monday. Uh, go, ahead, go ahead and light the candles. Yeah, light the candles. <laughs> light the candles. And uh, yeah, I saw the light. Uh, God bless. Yeah.